1: That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash jesse to make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash jesse. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are It's just way more important than you think it is. What Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry you remember that story from the bible no i'm not preaching at you tonight don't worry i I, i'm not qualified to do so you'll never get that from me but everybody knows this story from the bible regardless of your belief system the apostle paul apostle paul's in trouble he gets arrested he's getting ready to get whipped and paul says are you really going to whip a roman citizen and the reaction from all the local government officials that well, they freaked, right? Oh my gosh, no! Someone get this man a beer! I... Why? Did you ever think about that? Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it was something the Empire of Rome, the greatest empire of all time, it was something they placed a priority on. If you were a Roman citizen, when you traveled abroad, you had better be treated with respect what would happen if you weren't treated with respect rome didn't play games with that go ahead whip a roman citizen without our permission we will raise your entire city to the ground that's how rome would do it now why is it because the officials in rome had some deep love for apostle paul or any of their other citizens no they don't care i'm true they killed him in the end they didn't care it's not about Paul or the other Roman citizens. It's about the future. It's always about the future. When you take direct measures against people who attack your nation, it's not about revenge. It's not. It's about the future. When I talk to you tonight, we're, we, we have look, we have survival experts on. Tonight. It's going to be a great show. But when I talk to you tonight about some pretty hard things, I've got some hard things to tell you. And I say things I want done. I want you to understand this. It's not because I'm vengeful. It's because I'm worried about the protection of the future of this nation. The future of this nation. Pause for a moment while we talk here. Pause for a moment and think about this. How much time do you spend, I don't even wanna say spend online. How much time do you spend interacting with the internet? The reason I say it that way is, I mean, it goes way beyond, you know, browsing Facebook on your phone. How much time do you spend watching streaming tv your kids ever watch youtube at work you you're not online at work right there's no internet at your office is it starting to hit you it is an internet world now but what we don't do what you and i don't do and i'm just as guilty of this is we don't think to ourselves wow My whole life's really online. I'm I'm doing social media online. I'm working online. When I get home, I have some downtime. I'm streaming a movie on some streaming service. It's online, online, online. We don't think to ourselves, I wonder if the critical infrastructure that makes a nation go, I wonder if they're online too. But here's the thing. They are. They all are. You drove in a car. That fuel, it's all online. That food when you're picking out bread and hot dogs at the grocery store, that's all online. Every part of our nation is run online. So what do we do as a nation when bad people, criminals who are very much online now, what do we do when they choose to set their sights on us? Everybody remembers this recent story about Colonial Pipeline. Colonial Pipeline, this major, major fuel artery back east. Hackers go after it and shut it down. Okay, that's a big deal, right? That's a problem. Russian-based hackers, I should point out, but that's a big deal. All right, let's, uh, let's get things figured out. We got some gas lines. We'll get it worked out, but let's make sure we have a plan in place going forward. Well, what was the plan going forward? Well, Colonial Pipeline paid $5 million in ransom so the hackers would allow them to turn the power back on. And as you know, what, what do I love most in the world? Being able to say, I told you so, and I'm right. I came on the show that day when I heard they had paid that ransom. I came on that day and I said to you, this is a lot bigger deal than you think it is. Because it wasn't about Colonial Pipeline. It wasn't even about those specific hackers. It was about the message paying that ransom sent the rest of the world. And I told you on that day, it's about to be open season for hackers on the United States of America, because we just told them all. We just told all of them. Well, go ahead. Attack our critical infrastructure. We'll make you rich if you do it. What should our response have been? I Look, This may be too direct for you. I don't care. It's not your mommy's show. It's your daddy's show. We should have immediately arrested everybody at Colonial Pipeline who agreed to pay $5 million. They should all be awaiting trial right now. And... We should have sent some very dangerous men to go knock on the door of those hackers and make sure they never hack anything else again. That's not because I'm some murderous, savage monster who wants somebody to die. It's not even about the hackers. It's not even about Colonial Pipeline. It's about the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing, because now we have a huge open for business sign with, our, with hackers on the United States of America. How right was I? Well, I don't know. Here's a headline. Ransom where disrupts meat plants and the latest attack on critical U.S. businesses. The meat plants were attacked, too. That's 20% of the nation's beef supply. You ever buy beef? That going to be important to you at all? You think we should pay another ransom to somebody next time they hack us? Oh, these were Russian hackers as well. Oh, another headline, Massachusetts steamship authority hit by cyber attack. Not only are they attacking us, we're paying ransoms and telling them to do it again. But it goes way beyond beef prices and oil. The entire nation is online. The nation is online. This would be like in ancient times, building a beautiful city and not having a wall around it at all. That's what we're doing when we pay these things. And I will tell you, I experienced it very briefly. Very, very briefly, it was a couple months ago, we had a big freeze in Houston. I don't know, it might have been three four months ago. I don't do dates. But we had a big freeze in Houston. It was actually a hard freeze. It never freezes here, right? It's Houston, Texas. It's subtropical. Well, it froze over. Of course, lost power, lost water for a couple days. I, I was fine. Don't worry about me. I was fine. I've got some preparations for such a thing. But people were not fine. People died. How bad was it? Well... It was two days, two days, and people died. How would the city have done if it was a week? How about a month? What are you prepared for? Are you ready? Because this is what it looks like. I, I got a brief glimpse of it, but I'm just telling you, are you ready for a month without access to drinking water from your fountain? Are you ready? I didn't have clean drinking water in my fountain. I was fine. Are you fine? Are you fine if the gas station shuts down? Our gas station shut down because we lost power. They didn't have power. They couldn't do anything about it. You ready for no clean water? Ready for no gas? Oh, but Jesse, I'll be fine. I'll, I'll go get some food. Really? I thought the same thing. I drove in the parking lot of my grocery store. It was dark. And the doors were locked because they not only lost power, their emergency supply ran out, they didn't have clean water, they shut down too. Okay, well, all these places are online. What are we going to do when the power grid goes down? Are we ready? Are we preparing for it as a nation? I mean, that is their one job they're supposed to do, right? As the government, they're supposed to protect the nation. For the most part, they should just be leaving us alone, but they're supposed to be protecting us. Well, Here's your President of the United States, your Commander-in-Chief. Here's what he's digging into. According to the intelligence community,
0: terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. Not ISIS, not al-Qaeda, white (laughs) supremacists.
1: Headline, climate change and extremism among the military threats targeted in the DoD, that's Department of Defense budget request. Oh, you remember the army video we played. You don't worry, I'm not gonna play it again. We'll play it in the background for you here. The woke Army ads. Remember the little lesbian girl? or no, the little girl, parents were the lesbians, and I, my mom, my mom and my mom were were so important, and i was I was out marching and protesting for equality. In the meantime, they're hacking. They're going after your power. They're going after your water. They're going after your food. This is not, if it seems like I'm upset, it's because I am. But it's not at you. I'm upset because the one thing government is supposed to do, they have no interest in doing it all. Time and time again, these people have been asked, what are you doing about it? Joe Biden has been asked. Jennifer Psaki has been asked. They've been asked time and again, we are being attacked. We have these ransomware attacks. What are you going to do? And you know the answer? They can't even fake like they care. You know the answer we get time and time again from all of them? Well, it's a private sector issue. I mean, these are private companies. I mean, I'm not really worried about it. It's a private company. Let me ask you something. And I really, look, I'll wrap this up with this. Let me ask you a really hard question. Are you 100% convinced the President of the United States of America and the people around him even want to protect America? Are you sure they do? And before you say, ah, Jesse, that's crazy. Of, Of course they do. Really? Are you sure you understand the mentality of the communist? Do you think the communist sits back and looks at critical attacks against America, the country he hates, and says to himself, I should put a stop to those? Or do you think the communist sits back and looks at those attacks and says to himself, nice, we might have an opportunity here. I know my answer. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We have great guests. We have a great special for you tonight. Buckle up. It's going to be a fun one. We'll be back.
3: Now there's a barmaid there, good-looking young lady. She's serving me a drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually my drink was give me a Kettle One Martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finished the drink. The guys come in. I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam! I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us.
2: For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of the Jordan Harbinger Show.
1: Newton Group Transfer, they are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up, or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust, and Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, Call 888 845 3773. That's 888 84 Jesse, or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. Well, it pays to bring on the experts now and then, right? Joining me now is Lieutenant Colonel James J. Carafano, Vice President for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation. Colonel, let's get let's get this out of the way right off the bat. Okay, oil supply uh, hacked. Meat supply
2: hacked. How vulnerable are we? Well, you know, I think part of this is is kind of similar to the mass shooting stories. I mean, we've had shootings in the United States, but now Whenever there's this, a shooting, you know, the press jumps on this like this has never happened before. The, the reality is, is hacking is part of the modern environment of doing business. Ransomware attacks have been going on for a really long time. So part of, you have to ask the question is, how much of this is, all of a sudden, we've kind of waken up that, that this is kind of a constant feature in our, in our life, and how much of this is a really a large emerging threat. And I mean the answer is, is there's probably a little bit of, of both. Um, this has been going on, you know, but I gotta say, you know, we have a new administration and everybody, not just other countries, transnational criminals, gangs, they all wanna test and resolve it. And, and I think one of the challenges that we've seen coming out of the box in this first hundred days is we haven't had an administration or president who stood up and said, you know what? that do that stuff in america we're coming after you we're going to find you we're going to get you we're going to hound you to the end of your days and i think that kind of demonstrative attitude from the administration might might send a a better stronger message than what we currently see which is we have these hacks and the administration tries to downplay it like it's it's not our fault it's not our problem we don't really want to talk about that uh it might make us you know it's almost kind of like the benghazi strategy where that where something bad happens and it's, well, how can I get this off the plate and make it not my problem and focus on the things I want to focus on? But it, I, I think it does send the wrong message to, the, to bad people around the world about whether America is you know, open for business or, in, or an open target.
1: Well, Colonel, they paid the ransom. That's what floors me. I understand it wasn't the government, but it, the oil pipeline gets hacked and they paid a ransom, a gigantic ransom in cryptocurrency. I, I mean, I, look, I don't want to speak out of turn here. You're the expert, expert. I'm not. That that should be illegal. That invited more attacks, did it not?
2: Well, you know, I, you know, I've got to say, back in the 1930s, kidnapping became all the rage. This was a way for criminals to make money. And, and literally there were a rash of kidnappings across the country. I mean, People have probably heard of Lindbergh's baby, but this was, this was just a way of doing business. The US government didn't respond by saying, well, let's just pay all the kidnappers. They responded by building out the FBI and other federal law enforcement uh, capabilities and going after kidnappers and, and hitting them with some very, very severe penalties. And I, I, th- I think we probably need more of that. We, we probably need more on the deterrent end uh, of, of, of demonstrating to these guys, if you come after us, we can find you and get you and make you pay a really heavy price.
1: So it doesn't sound to me like you're that worried about ransomware attacks. It sounds to me, I'm just paraphrasing, feel free to correct me. Yeah, they're going to happen, they're going to hurt, but we're not talking about kneecapping America for any significant period of time,
2: correct? Am I getting that? Well, look, I mean, the reality is, is, you know, cyber is an environment that we live in. You can be invulnerable one day and then could be completely compromised the next. So I I I don't think we think about this as this is a problem to be solved. This is an environment to live in, and you know just like viruses, are, you know they're constantly coming back. You have to build up your capabilities to deal with that, and they have to be full spectrum. I mean, you have vaccines, but you also have you know prophylactics and other way you know treatments, right? You you want to build out your arsenal so you're ahead of the the bad guys. Um, that I think is more important. I, I do think that these send the messages that we're weak on the deterrent end. You know, we've got capabilities, we do things on the back end, we can even find cryptocurrency and where it went and take that money back if we need to in some cases, but we need to send a strong message on the front end that America is not an easy target for this. And, and I'm not sure this administration really has that on a front burner issue. It, to me, it, the, there's a whole range of issues here, whether it's border security, or dealing with Russia, or China, or Iran, where they, they just wanna take the easy out, push stuff off, and focus on the, the political agenda, which for them is is all-encompassing, whether it's federal takeover of the election system, or or these big infrastructure bills, and these other things about the actual physical security of the United States almost seem to be a distraction. I just think that sends the wrong message. Look. We have all the same capabilities that we had 100 days ago. But people need to see that defending America is a top priority from this administration. And and it's not a partisan comment. I mean, it's just the reality of how the world works. You know, when all these cities wanted to defund the police, what happened? The crime rate went up. If the US government doesn't send a strong signal that it's out to defend Americans, what happens? People come after us more. Uh, Colonel, what that, that
1: part, I'm glad you brought it up because that part confuses me a lot. I understand that the, the right and the left have nothing in common anymore. I get that. But why would the Biden administration not focus on this? I mean, you can say they're dismissing it, but this is the kind of stuff that can kneecap his political agenda. Let's say they are all about politics all the time, which they clearly are. You're not getting anything done if the American people keep paying $4 a gallon for gas and beef prices go up 20% every other week because people are going to throw you out of office.
2: Well, you know, I think it's they see it as a distraction from the agenda. Their agenda is pushing forward on, on their getting their major achievements and and putting those in place, and these other things are a distraction. And by addressing these other things, they actually look you know, weak. Well, these are problems that we can't address, we can't solve I mean, look at the border, it's absolutely mushrooming out of control, and yet they actually refuse to address that. I think a big part of this goes is to the nature of governance in this administration. We have a small cadre of former Obama officials who are in the White House, who are deeply influential in driving policy. They were not elected by anybody, They're not accountable to anybody. They could care less if Biden ever wins another election. They could care less about Kamala Harris's political future. They are myopically focused on pushing this agenda and they see everything else as a distraction. And and you say, well, but shouldn't we care about inflation? Shouldn't we care about the Russians? Shouldn't we care about cyber criminals? Well, of course we should, but they don't. And if they don't, they have the power to drive the federal government not to treat these things as priorities.
1: Secretary of State Anthony Blinken sat in front of China. People who watch my show have seen this clip before. I want to play you a clip here, Colonel, and get your reaction.
2: So, for China, it was necessary that we make our position
0: clear.
2: So let me say here that in front of the Chinese side, the United States does not have the qualification to say that it wants to speak to China from a position of strength. Can we speak to China from a position of strength? Uh, look, I'm not a partisan guy. I, I don't belong to a political party. And when I say this assessment, it's it's not meant to be a political jab. But I think the reality is, is the three key cabinet secretaries are responsible for protecting us, Secretary of Homeland Security, Secretary of Defense, and Secretary of State. These are empty suits. These are empty suits who will say anything to just satisfy the agenda that they've been given by the administration. They're not independent thinkers. They're not putting U.S. interests first. They're just reacting on their orders out of the um, of the Obama administration, with, and, well the Biden administration. And what's interesting about all three of these uh, individuals is these are all people with a great deal of of experience in their fields. Um, they have long resumes. They know the difference between right and wrong, and yet they are driving policies which were completely inept because that's what they're told to do. And you know, when you say they're empty suits, I, I I don't mean that in a pejorative way, I'm just trying to think of an accurate descriptor, but how you could stand up and not speak back to China, not be worried about the wokeness in the military watch a completely undefended border be overrun and and pretend like, yeah, these are our policies and they're all just fine. It 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 just strains credulity. I don't know how else to describe it.
1: Assuming politically, I understand. I understand you're not a political guy, but assuming politically, Joe Biden can't all of a sudden crack down on the border. I think that's a pretty safe assumption. How does this end? How does four years of this end? Because I I mean, we use words like unsustainable all the time. I mean, they're breaking local communities with this border overrun. How does this end,
2: Colonel? Well, uh, again, it's not a political assessment. It's just the assessment of how politics will impact on policy. I I think it's a race. It's a race to get some very fundamental ground changing legislation that would cement progressive control of the country forever, whether it's taking over federal elections or these massive infrastructure bills and putting in all kinds of progressive policies and locking them in concrete the law and people just getting fed up with these guys and demanding different leadership. And the two sides are just racing to see who gets there first.
1: Lieutenant Colonel, thank you so much sir. I appreciate you very much.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: Doesn't it feel like we're not working towards the same goal? Well, let me tell you something. We're not. All right, we're not done yet. We'll be back. Well, sometimes it gets a little confusing when we talk about all this technology stuff, right? These people are getting hacked, and these people are getting hacked. So, we're about to bring on an expert. But first, I want to remind you I want to remind you what the President of the United States said when foreign hackers went after our energy sector.
3: Ransom, were you briefed on the fact that the company did pay the ransom?
0: I have no comment on that. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, sir.
1: Well, that's inspiring. Joining me now to talk about that and other things is technology consultant Peter Phillip. Peter, okay, we had an oil pipeline getting hacked. We now have a meat packer getting hacked. What does this even mean, by the way, for, for the layperson, meaning myself? What does it mean to get hacked and screw something up? What what happened?
3: At simplest, they gained access to the systems that are in these organizations, and uh, they took control. I mean, they, they became the owner of that. Um, they can have access to the data. All the systems, they can control them. As you saw with Colonial, they could shut them down um, if they wanted to and um, own it.
1: Okay, you say gained access. Explain that to me in a way I can understand.
3: Sure, so there's several different ways this can happen, but the most common or uh, probably the most prevalent, about 95% of all um, hacks are done... um, are caused by human error. So this is either a spear phishing attack where someone receives an email, opens it and they launch malicious software into the into the enterprise or there's a vulnerability that was never addressed on the the perimeter the security perimeter of the of, this, of the organization's or um, it's just bad software that's never been updated or or kept current.
1: Okay, uh, you're telling me that we have portions of our energy sector where somebody can just open a bad email and it can wreck it? Aren't there, aren't there firewalls for things like that?
3: Yeah, there is, absolutely. And most organizations have that, that security in place, but it's really hard to fix um, the spear phishing attacks or human error, which is the majority of how that occurs. Someone goes home, takes their laptop home for the weekend, does some personal browsing, downloads some malicious software and doesn't know about it, goes back to work, and when they jump on the network, it can gain access, or you know the most common one, which is just opening an email. Um, and getting infected. Uh, And the older system, the the perimeter or edge systems, and a lot of these organizations have not been updated. So the core corporate software, corporate firewalls are very secure and very tight, but a lot of the edge infrastructure is is older and aging. It hasn't been attended to as it should be. Why? Mm, uh, Several reasons. Money is probably the most prevalent one, right? So money is, it just costs money to do this. If if the system is running and you don't feel like you have to fix it, why spend the money on it? And, and the, energy, the energy sector is probably the most egregious in this. Uh, when, when oil's 90 bucks a barrel, they're gonna spend money and, and uh, make sure everything's secure. But when it's 10 or 20, they, they, they crank those dollars down. And so <clears throat> also the ability to not find security personnel has been cited recently as one of the most um, uh, prevalent reasons for these uh, breaches, because the longer an organization doesn't have a security group or a CISO as the acronym goes, chief information security officer, then the more likely they are to be hacked or have an attack.
1: Okay, are, are we suffering a serious deficit of these technology geniuses out there? I would think, I mean, this is America. Everybody and their brother has a smartphone. I, everyone talks about hacking something now. I, I would think we have these people all over the place.
3: Yeah, you would think. I mean, I, if you look at Colonial, they had a, the uh, the, op- the, op- the position was open for five months, and they interviewed, I think the, the reporting was around 35 people or so, but um, that role uh, is, is there's a deficit for that role I mean there are a lot of people that do that but they're not the positions aren't being filled whether that's an organization choosing not to hire or looking for the unicorn employee which they'll never find just getting the role filled dramatically reduces your plane of exposure and your likelihood of attack being successful
1: how vulnerable is our government I, I mean is at least is it, please tell me at least our government is on top of this stuff
3: um, so, one of the things about the government is that they don't have the most updated software. They don't run on the most updated platforms. If you've ever had understanding of the procurement process and how long it takes to get software into the government, they tend to run older systems. Matter of fact, there's a push right now. There's some bills that are being going to be offered about increasing, making the government move to the cloud and be in a more secure cloud environment. Um, but. The government, I, I would not, they have really talented people that are really, really good at cyber. Um, I don't know that that's applied to all of the government um, and their systems for sure.
1: Peter Philip, everybody. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate it. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy, I dipped for so long And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Ah, it's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. Absolutely. We'll be back. if there's anything I love more than trying to get people ready for the things that are coming in this country, it's myself. That's what I love the most. And so when I saw this clip from my buddy Stu over on The Blaze with our next guest, Spencer Corson, I had to play it for you before I bring him in.
0: That's freaking why you do it, Sarah. Thank you. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. Um, Can I ask this one last question, Adam? Okay, this one comes from (sighs) Jay Kelly. Uh, the question is... Is he related to R. Right,
2: Kelly? I knew it was coming.
0: What is your favorite thing about Jesse Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, wait. Oh, I got a good answer. Can we, this can we zoom in okay. on the... On the, uh, on the uh, I got a good we, answer this can one. Can we zoom in? It Am I is, supposed to know who that is? Jesse Kelly, Jesse yes. Kelly, uh, you are. Well, my favorite it's thing okay. about Jesse Kelly is how humble he is. Yeah, my favorite <laughs> thing about is... Jesse
2: Kelly is the fact that Spencer doesn't know who Jesse yes! Kelly is. Who's Jesse
0: Kelly? He's got a love that you don't know who he he's is. A, he's, a, he's a fellow host. Uh, he has a radio on the show. First and, and yes, yep. and he's on the first as well. And, um, so he's, he's definitely a, not having me on. He's a, <laughs> he's a great <laughs> follow on Twitter. Wait, now change your answer. We can just do a quick edit. Right. And you can say like, you know, he's my favorite. Favorite host to talk about security issues or something. He's you my know. favorite. Oh, Jesse Kelly. He's my favorite host to talk about security <laughs> issues. Oh, wow, wow. That's you have yeah. a book
2: out about security. Yeah, it's I called think, the Safety track In fact, the
0: first guy to pre-order it was uh, a verified purchase from Jesse Kelly. Wow, that's incredible.
1: <laughs> Joining me now. He was wrong. He's coming on my show now. Joining me now is threat management expert Spencer Corson. He's also the author of a book. In all seriousness, all joking aside buy this. Get yourself something to get yourself ready. The book is called The Safety Trap, A Security Expert's Secrets for Staying Safe in a Dangerous World. Spencer, uh, dangerous is putting it mildly. Honestly, just from gun sales alone, you can tell people watch the news and they're scared, understandably so. What does the security expert say about the danger of this world compared to 10 years ago?
0: (sighs) The difference is we can no longer afford to live in a world where we simply hope that nothing will happen and then solely rely on the first responders to save us once something does. We need more than ever to begin to participate more and more in our own security, because I think one of the things that we are going to see is, especially as we enter into the the dog days of summer, is this crime raise really begin to rise. And if we are not actively participating with our friends with our neighbors with our with our fellow citizens even our countrymen we will find ourselves in a devastating decrescendo that we will not be able to climb back out of
1: Spencer, what does that mean, getting involved with friends and neighbors? Because the average person right now, they're watching this and they're like, oh, it's easy for uh, Jesse to say. It's easy for Spencer to say. I'm sure he's got an arsenal at home and all this training. I, I've never touched a gun. What do I do? What does the average person at home do when it comes to friends and neighbors? What do they have to do with it?
0: Well, I think one of the things we learned in the military was how to recruit local assets, how to, you know, someone may not see everything, but everything is seen by someone. And especially whether it's, Using the next door app, or whether it's sharing the feeds of your ring camera, or whether it's you know, I had someone try to break into my house just a, a couple of days ago, and within hours our entire neighborhood was sharing the footage and not allowed the cops to catch the guy. Within, you know, ninety minutes he was half a mile down coming off of someone else's property. But what we really want to do is not just look out for our it's very easy when we're coming out of this this quarantine, this pandemic, to think of ourselves as as being in bubbles, but as we get out into the world, as our return to normalcy begins to grow and grow, it's important that that also does not accompany it with it, a return to complacency, where we just assume that, oh, look, look, there hasn't been a school shooting in over a year, and now all of a sudden, look at what we're seeing. We need to recruit local assets, we need to use our environment to our advantage, and we want to do our part to make our community safer because that collective participation will really help to ensure the certainty of safety for everyone involved. Why do you think
1: it's going to be a rough summer? I mean, I don't disagree with you, but obviously the practical things people can do are in your book, but why Why are you predicting a rough summer?
0: Because our our tolerance threshold is at an all-time low coming out of this year-long quarantine isolation pandemic. Interpersonal dynamics are a perishable skill, and we have all gotten so used to communicating online, communicating via Slack or Zoom or what have you, that our way of communicating with one another in a digital realm is completely different than how we would interact with one another on a interpersonal realm we saw that poor six-year-old boy get shot in california like over a week ago for the mother just simply you know flipping someone the bird something she's probably done a thousand times before without consequence but now with everyone's anxiety and anxiousness you know really very high and the threshold for that tolerance at an all-time low the exacerbation point is at a critical tipping point and I really think that the heat and if there's another you know stressor put on the environment it can really you know it could really light the, that, that spark of the powder keg that's been waiting to blow for a long time. Spencer,
1: I've been telling people for a long time uh, to get out of the cities, especially recently over the last year, year and a half. If you're able, I understand not everybody's able. People have jobs and families and things they can't leave, but I don't view the cities as being salvageable. However, maybe I'm wrong, and there are a lot of people still stuck there, whether they're salvageable or not. If you're someone Mm -hmm. in a city, you're not allowed to walk around in pack heat for the most part. What is something someone in a city can practically do to make sure they're safer than they were the day before?
0: not negotiate against their own instincts I had a friend who was sitting in uh, I think it was in New York was in New York City was there for work was sitting in a hotel was you know 11 o'clock in the morning goes downstairs to have a, a coffee and a cigarette there's another couple sitting across from her there's another lady a little bit down and this gentleman comes downstairs that appears to be a bit dodgy and is you know fidgety and she she knows that something's not quite right but she doesn't want to be impolite so she's She's so concerned about coming across as, you know, un, unpermissible that she kind of like looks away. And the very next thing she knows, this gentleman has her his elbow in her chest, he's grabbing her purse, and, he, and he's running away. Because in that moment, she was so worried about, she was less concerned about defending herself than she was about offending him. And so when we are in these environments where we, one of the things that my global experience has proven like time and time again, is that what when we don't expect to see danger or let me rephrase that when we the warning signs of danger are always there but when we don't expect to see them we don't look for them but like i said before the signs are always there and staying safe is about training ourselves to see them and we don't i kind of equate it to sometimes feeling safe is the most dangerous thing we do which is pretty much the the key takeaway of the book and that all stems from, you know, we don't stub our toes on the things we notice, we stub our toes on the things we don't. But it's not like that Lego on the floor was, you know, wait, hiding in wait to ambush us. We just weren't expecting to see it, so we didn't think to see it. And I think our everyday safety and our everyday, walk, everyday lives is going to be a very similar set of circumstance.
1: I might add to everybody, I don't think he'd mind, it's a lot easier to see the danger if you're not looking at your phone. Look, I'm as guilty as anybody. I'm not pointing fingers at you. Get your nose out of this when you're out and about. It can save your life, actually. Spencer, one final question. We had a freeze down here in Houston a couple months ago. It wasn't the end of the world. Obviously, some people lost their lives, which was sad. But it was just a freeze. Houston's not used to it. We lost power and water for a couple days. Now, I was mm-hmm. fine. Obviously, I've got water and I've got food and I've got all that stuff saved up, but a lot of people were not. It really, really hurt people. What's something basic people can do in case there's a cybersecurity attack on water or power or something like that? What's something basic that doesn't involve building a 30 foot deep concrete bunker in their backyard?
0: Yeah, I, I, well, we got. I'm here in Austin, and we got hit just as hard. I was without power for five days. So I think what everyone can really do is to accept that that is a realistic risk and start putting in the, the practical preparations to help mitigate those circumstances. So start small, build strong. Start with food and water and medicine, making sure you have those necessities on hand. From there, build out to fuel and power. Then move on to defense and re- readiness. And then the final step would be your creature comforts. But the more you start preparing today, the more prepared you will be for a safer tomorrow. And whether that's making sure you have enough food and water on hand or having a portable you know, solar generator to help keep your phone or a local space heater you know, to heat your house, those just very practical precautions will help to ensure the certainty of safety for not just you, but for your family as well.
1: Hey, Spencer Corson, the book is The Safety Trap. Spencer, I appreciate you, my brother. Thank you.
0: You too, sir. Thank you.
1: Told you it was going to be a good show. We're not done yet. We'll be back. What if all the lights go out? What if your grocery store shuts down? What if the gas station up the road stops working at all the things i just said to you if i had said them a month ago unless you're super in the know about technology and hacking and things like that you probably would have rolled your eyes and said ah jesse's a nutball well in just the last few weeks we've had a major attack on our pipeline system we now have a major attack on our meat supply 20 percent of the meat supply all done behind a computer, all of it. We live in an online world now where everything is controlled on the internet. What I want you to take away from tonight's show is this. Not that you have to run and hide and whatnot. What I want you to take away is this. You must make preparations. No, I, I'm not telling you to go dig a bunker and move to Zimbabwe and live off a of tree bark. I'm not telling you that at all make preparations for the lights going out, for the gas station not working, for the grocery store shutting down. Because these are not things that are in some dystopian nightmare movie. These are things that are on the horizon in an online world. When some fat hacker can sit in a Russian basement and shut down America's oil supply, that's a frightening place to be. That's where we are. You must make preparations the kind of preparations that might have the neighbor rolling their eyes at you. Get some food, get some water, get some gasoline, get some money, get some basic necessities. Look around and assess your situation. Say to yourself, how long can me and my family survive with no power in the house, no gas station working, and no grocery store? What is our plan? How long can we do this? That's what I want you to take away. We are vulnerable. Well, hopefully we'll deal with it, but we are vulnerable. It's an online world now. All right, we'll do it again. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Who is there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who.